everybody. Welcome back to a new edition of Bitch Breathe. I am your host, Ricardia Bramley. So imagine the following scenario. You're walking into your bathroom one morning. You're still really tired and a bit sleepy, and the alarm on your partner's phone goes off. And you switch off the alarm, and suddenly you're already in the middle of the phone. It's been unlocked by doing so. And for some reason... You don't really know why. It's very subconscious. You start looking through the phone of your partner. Not something you do every day, certainly not in a sleepy slumber at approximately 7.30 in the morning. But do what you do, and you go through the messages, and you scroll, and suddenly your attention gets a little more astute, I want to say, and you're finding names in there that you're not familiar with. Now, keep in mind, you've been with this partner for a very long time, so you kind of know his or her circle of friends. And you're looking at these, in this case, women's messages to, in this case, your male partner, and they're kind of flirty. And then you scroll a little bit more, and they're a little more than flirty. And before you know it, you have scrolled your way through several WhatsApp messages and messenger messages, and you're realizing your partner (laughs) is having a full-on life That doesn't include you. Your husband has started dating and you're not the person they're dating. So even though this doesn't seem like a funny thing, it certainly didn't at the time. It seems funny now because it was so surreal. So I grabbed the phone. I'm now in a situation where I'm having sort of an out-of-body experience. Like I'm stepping out of my body because... Apparently, this can't be happening to me. This must be some other person. I know I'm shaking all over. I'm in the twilight zone with my mind. I grab this phone. I run into the bedroom. I hold it in front of my still sleeping husband's face. And I say, what is this? Husband had been out that night, so he's even sleepier than I am. Meanwhile, I'm, of course, not so sleepy because my adrenaline is on full force. And he says, what? What are you doing? And I said, read this. And he's looking at the phone, and you can see the dawning on his face. And now things go very, very quickly. He jumps up, grabs a phone, of course, goes immediately into the offensive of like, why are you checking my phone? Totally right. Why was I checking the phone? I have no idea because I had never done it before. But I'm looking at him and I said, no, I'm asking the questions. What is this? There is this pause And he says to me, it means nothing. And here is the part where I think it was super, super funny because my first reaction after shaking and bringing the phone to him was kicking him in the balls. Now, you might think that this is a figurative thing. No, I actually kicked the guy in the balls. And I said, this is the second funny part. How dare you? Do you realize how many propositions I turned down? How many times I said no when clearly now I should have been saying yes? And I thought that was so funny. It wasn't even, how could you do this to me? How could you do this to our family? It wasn't any of that. It was like, dude, I had so many opportunities and you beat me to the punch. (laughs) So anyway, to cut this part of the story a little shorter, now we were in a space of there's a cheating party and someone who's been cheated. 
And I wanted to talk about this topic today because this is many, many years ago now, and it's not something that hurts so much anymore, and certainly not from this person, more like, you know, the trust issues, but we'll get into all that later. And I also want to send a little disclaimer ahead, and that is I have been unfaithful in some relationships, and then of course I'm going to jump to my own defense right away and say I was a lot younger, it was foolish. And I never did this over a sustained period of time. Um, Of course, that's a totally apologetic argument, but I'm going to do it anyway. But I also just wanted to include myself so it doesn't become this them and us. I think we each, as you've heard me probably say in many episodes before, carry the seed to be the other. If we weren't reflections of each other, we may not necessarily be in each other's lives. So after having discovered this, and reeling with pain because I knew my life was now unraveling. Life as I knew it to be at that time was officially over and it stayed over. So knowing that, what do we do if we even want to speak in terms of action? Now, because this is such a big topic, I want to say ahead that this episode is probably going to be a little bit longer than they normally are because I did think about having two episodes on it, but then I thought, nah, let's get this all into one if we can. So the immediate aftermath was many, many things. And any of you women and men and anybody who's ever been in a relationship and who's experienced this knows what I'm talking about. There are so many ways to go upon making this discovery that for a moment, you ain't in fight, you ain't in flight. Okay, I kicked the guy, but (laughs) after that, I went into that third mode, freeze mode. I froze. I couldn't believe that this was happening to me. And here comes my arrogance. I thought This only happens to other women. And I'm going to take my arrogance, my honest arrogance, a little bit further. I thought it happened to women who have low self-esteem or who don't think of themselves as very pretty or who society might not even consider a catch, visually speaking now, or who've been married for very long, but they kind of let the sex slide or who had let themselves go, maybe who maybe once looked one way and now they look another. All this prejudice I had around the women, especially who have been cheated. I am speaking from a heteronormative perspective. Sorry, that's the only one that I really truly know. So I thought this was another species of woman that this happens to, basically, or she let something happen that was clearly an indicator that, you know what, you're going to do this A thing, then B is going to occur. For this to happen to me was, I want to say humbling. It was the strangest, strangest thing that had ever occurred within a relationship, let's say, not within life, but within a relationship. And I didn't know what to do with this new fact, apart from trying to sort of disentangle the fact from fiction, from hope, from dreams crushed. It was all these things, and I didn't know what to do. I couldn't believe that this was happening with this person whom I trusted, whom I loved so, so much. At least I thought so at the time. And because I'm a person who likes to fix things, I thought maybe I can just fix this somehow. Let me step into some sort of action. But I couldn't. I froze. How did he do that to me? It, it just didn't fit together. It took me my entire cognitive capacity, which was very limited at that moment, 
to even wrap my brain around what had happened. But I wanted to take steps also. So the first question I asked myself was, well, what do I do now? Do I make him move out for a moment? Or am I scared that then he's going to go off even more and sleep with even more women than already was the case? Like, what am I supposed to do right now? Do I go for distance or do I go for proximity, lock this shit in, figure out what happened? What did I contribute for you to do this to me? And there's no good answers to any of the questions I'm going to open up the space for today. But I think sometimes questions are a lot more easy to handle when we're so confused and hurt than it is to find answers. So in my case, I was so scared that I didn't know what to do, but I was also repelled by this guy. I was like, ugh, gross, how many? And what? And you came to my bed after, right? Like all these fantasies, and then you start recreating. When did this happen? And, and, and how? And how did I not notice, right? All these things. But first of all, I decided you need to get out. You need to leave this apartment right now, which was super hard in my case because the dude didn't want to go. Right. Because he was also worried, shit, if I leave the premises now, she is going to have a whole lot easier time staying away from me. And I think at the time he did still want our relationship to work. But I kicked him out. I said, dude, I don't know where you sleep tonight. I don't even want to think about it after these facts have come to light. But you need to leave. So that's what I did. I put distance between us. And so I worked with distance. I needed to put distance between us so that he wouldn't manipulate me into seeing this from his point of view. There was time for his point of view, but that time wasn't now. So I'm not recommending the distance, but I certainly am not recommending proximity for the situation that I found myself in. Keep in mind, whenever we cheat on somebody or somebody cheats on us, there's a backstory to that, right? Always. It might be theirs. It might be our shared history. But I think we all know we don't just arrive at infidelity without there being any previous steps. So just first and foremost, when this happens, when we're in shock, to maybe just first decide, okay, do I need to be close to this person or do I need to put some distance between us? This is something that I found helpful to do as one of the first things. As time went by, and these weeks went by, and we were having conversations for some of this time, but that took a moment also. I think about a week or so later, we started to have conversations, and I started to want to know the facts. And when I say this, when you start to say, all right, let's examine this together, please. What are the facts? How long has this been going on? And for some reason, you're going to get really nitty gritty about this. You're going to want to know how many women, which women, when it happened, for how long it's going on. It all hurts so, so much. And yet you won't stop asking these questions. If you're anything like me, you are going to want to get down with the facts. And that's why I'm here to tell you, I understand the instinct. I did it too. But be prepared to not get the facts. Because now this other person may open up and say, listen, this is what's been going on. I've been worried about our relationship. This is what's been working for me. Great. Somebody opens up like that. What a blessing. You've actually got a real shot at maybe mending whatever it was that went wrong. In my case, I had to be prepared that I wasn't getting the facts. They came very sort of drip drop. Some of them were contradicting each other. And I could tell all of this was driven by an agenda to conceal what had happened and to keep me and your partner 
even if it's just out of habit, it might be love, and I hope to God it is, but they're going to try to hold on to you because no one likes change to happen and no one likes to be at fault for that change either, regardless of what kind of lovely person or complete douchebag it is that you find yourself in a relationship with. Nobody wants to yield that control to the other, even if they cause some of what is happening here. So just go ahead, do your detective work, put the guy through the third degree or the gal, and know that you may not get the full testimony. And that brings me to my next point. If you notice gaps in the testimony, look at the following thing. How quickly are they willing to explain what happened? Elaborate on the answers to your questions? Or how quickly are they going to begin a story of denial wanting to move forward. Let's just put this behind us. This was a bad episode. I I can't even tell you how quickly my guy was trying to move forward. First, there was the apologies, but then you could quickly tell it was like, all right, enough already, because he didn't want to be the guilty party for too much longer. Hey, let's face it, who does? Who wants to be guilty? That's not a fun place to be, people pointing fingers at you. So look very closely, not at what is being said, because again, this could be full of gaps and the agenda to conceal and see what the strategy behind what they're saying is. Are they rushing you to move forward? Are they rushing into allay your fears? Are they wanting to explain what happened? Do they even have a theory why? And that's a very precarious question, by the way. I will get back to that later. What is it that didn't work between you, between this organism that is your relationship? If they're willing to somehow go into a cooperative mode and an explanatory one, good for you because I think this is such a healthy sign that this person, A, is an adult, (laughs) B, is possibly not a lifetime cheater. It might be he actually wants to work on this relationship. And this was just an escape from the relationship because the person didn't know how else to handle it. Totally possible. In my case, not so much. So what comes next, of course, I'm screaming for couples therapy. Clearly, we've got ourselves a cancerous situation of our relationship. Let's go to some doctor or person who can help us fix it. And I don't think that's a bad idea. I realize a lot of us know this by now. We usually go to couples therapy when it's way too late. So I wanted to do couples therapy because I wanted to get to the bottom of this. I was like, let's speak to a neutral person because I want to kill your ass right now. I am in no position to listen to your stories, to listen to your denial, to face the fact that you have been sleeping with others besides me. Can't do it. Need someone in the room who's going to stop me from punching you or kicking you again. Here's what happens a lot. And if, by the way, you need a good couples coach, one of my best friends is a couples coach in Berlin. She's excellent. Hit me up for her contacts, or I'll even put them in the show notes for you. But maybe what happens is what happened to me. My guy didn't want couples therapy. And I spoke to a friend of mine, a woman in this case, of whom I had known. She had also had a longstanding affair with another guy when she was married. And I said to her, did you want to go to therapy? And she said, no, and I'll tell you why. I was worried that he would find out even more of what had happened. So I refused. 
I thought that was very interesting. First of all, I think it's important that this came from a woman because a lot of times in the narratives that I've noticed, especially in the spiritual scene for some reason, but also outside, is that the women are the cheated parties. But I'm not even going to venture into any statistics as to who does more cheating because I really don't have a clue. I really don't know. And because I haven't always been faithful. <laughs> Let's just say I don't want to know. But the couples therapy, just to get back to that, wasn't happening. So I had to say goodbye to the idea of there being a neutral person who can somehow fix all of this. And I was hindered by another thing that was coming up. I started to realize I was, and it pains me to admit this now, but I know that this happens because if you've ever heard of Esther Perel, also a great, great couple therapist, internationally renowned, she's got podcasts, everything. I know that she said this in her book, and I think it also was said in one of her podcast episodes. The question that came up was, how attracted are you to this partner who has cheated on you right now? And I was madly attracted my own weird way of handling maybe the whole relationship, but certainly this episode of it. So I was riding this whole universe of dichotomies and contradictions and competing emotions. It was very difficult to maneuver. And so while I'm still in this whole fog of what happened and how did this happen to me and to us, I began to move a little bit forward by asking myself, well, is this thing still working? I mean, how much do I have to look at what happened in terms of what I've not contributed to this relationship for maybe years? How much of this is still working? And what I began to realize, because I was in so much pain that sort of violently jerked me into a new reality. And in this new reality, I realized, oh, man, we have not been working for years. We don't have great conversations anymore. We don't have deep exchange of thought. We don't really help each other grow anymore. And there were all these things that I started to realize that I thought, you know what? You might have cheated on me in a physical way, and that hurts like an MF. But I also deserted you in some ways. I didn't look out for your best interests anymore. I stopped a long time ago. And though I had many reasons to do that, I'm not going to pretend that all of this is on my partner or was, I certainly started to realize a lot of this is not working. So this question of what is working and what is not working propelled me into this next one. And this one is key because this long question will either hold you hostage to a situation that no longer serves you or help you both move forward in a way that you can start a whole new relationship. What I'm getting at is you're going to ask yourself this, and a lot of what happens in the next couple of weeks or months hinges on the answer if you are ready and able and willing to answer it. And that is, what is still here? Are there children, families? Is there any sickness involved on any part of the family? Is there real estate? You will, you will. You will start looking at finances very quickly if you are dependent on, on the other side. I luckily wasn't, but I still thought about real estate in terms of, shit, who's going to live where, right? And the last one, what is still here in terms of love? Do I really still love this person? Is my hurt of betrayal, yes, valid, 
But is it really because I still love this person? Or is it because you have now changed the game in a way that I can no longer not look at it? And where I no longer recognize the rules? And there is no referee, because there is no right or wrong. And depending on how we answer this question, what is still here? A lot of steps will be taken, and it's going to take time. Now, I know there are some of us, and more power to you, who, when they discover the infidelity of a partner, they're gone. They're like, that's it. I don't want to be here anymore. And I admire that a lot. I'm not sure it is always the right answer to infidelity. It certainly wasn't mine because I hung out for a moment longer. In fact, I hung out for about five or six more months looking at what is still here. And we didn't have children together, but we each had a child from previous relationships. And we were a family. You share an apartment. Maybe you got a joint account. If you want to talk about breakups and what to do when they then actually occur, Go ahead, refer back to my double episode on that where I will totally walk you through what can be done at that time. So when you've answered this question, it's time to move forward a little bit, to find a way. And this can take time. Some people take years to finally leave. Some take months. Others, like I said, take off right away. Another question that will also determine whether or not you stay is Do you believe in the principle of once a cheater, always a cheater? And I'm going to go ahead and say that I don't. I think that there are very, very various multi-layered reasons for people to cheat, men, women, anyone in between. So I don't necessarily subscribe to that notion. However, in my case, I had to realize upon discovering fact after fact after fact and all the things my friends or I should say more acquaintances were starting to tell me when word got out, I realized, no, I was with a lifetime cheater. And even though I know I contributed to things going wrong in the relationship, I also knew that this person was never going to be able to stay faithful. And the thing that then helped me, and this is my final point I want to make, Nobody deserves to be cheated on. Nobody, not even people who have cheated in their past, not even people who are cheating right now. Nobody deserves to be betrayed because what that does to our souls, not the people now, but what it does to our souls is is so incredible. It's almost for one soul to betray another, it's never a good idea. Whether we're doing it, whether they're doing it, keeping that in mind and ending this on a Shakespeare note, if you will, All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. Why am I saying that? Because what helped me, what really propelled me forward, when I finally realized that I had to take responsibility for what had happened. This didn't just happen to me. This happens for you. And when we take responsibility, we can't underestimate that that is an emancipation. That is a journey worthwhile taking for each and every one of us. Because when I started to realize that I had manifested this into my life, I didn't have to make this guy a full-blown asshole. I still thought of him for, as a full-blown asshole for many, many years. Do not worry. No saints found on this podcast. But I was able to see how I had failed him 
how I had become unfaithful to his soul and the kind of contract that we had entered when we said, I do. And I don't even mean marriage. I just mean stepping into what I thought was a monogamous relationship. So when we take responsibility, and I know how self-righteous we feel at that moment, and please believe me that I know the pain when somebody we love betrays us. But when you take the responsibility, you also take back your power. You have power here. You have power to leave. You have power to confront. You have power to fix this. But before you don't recognize that you are not a victim and you haven't just been betrayed, there's no power there. And so you just reel and convulse with pain. But you don't really manage to find a way out of it. So that's what I'm trying to say, that each of us plays a role on this stage of a relationship. So that was a long episode. I suspected it would become a very long one. I'm thinking about having another episode on this. We'll see what comes up. This episode was not easy for me to record because it required a lot of honesty. And I think honesty with this kind of stuff comes really, really hard and at a very high price. But I, like with all my episodes in this podcast, I would have needed my own podcast when all this was happening. So I really, truly hope it serves you. Maybe there's some insight that you haven't yet arrived at or that you have arrived at and you'd like to share your perspective of it. I would love to hear about it. Please go ahead, write to me. My email address is bitchbreathe at gmail.com. But because Google didn't allow me to do bitch, the I in bitch is a number one. So bitch with a one breathe at gmail.com. Also, if you haven't yet, please feel free to comment to rate the podcast wherever you obtain it. And until then, take good care of yourself. Sending lots of love. <laughs>